We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is flipped over the scores table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, September 19th. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. Alex, we found ourselves once again just scraping, scratching, clawing for topics uh, as the NBA season continues to near. Uh, we're a little over a month out. Um, I think 25 days or no, like 30 something days. I'm yeah. Super but bad. With I think the preseason starts on the 4th of October. Is that the first game? It could. Yeah. I, the regular <laughs> season starts on October 22nd. It is September 19th. So, you know, do the math. We're that many days away from the start of the NBA season. Still not a lot to to talk about. Um, a couple minor, you know, injury related news items, but um, kind of preparing for the flood of news that should start coming in. Hopefully next week, once camps yeah. open and we start to get updates on guys who were maybe hurt at the end of last year. You know, we haven't heard from in a few months. Um, but a couple of those guys, uh, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, full participants in Pelicans workouts. Uh, I believe this was reported late Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, we kind of kind of figured this would be the case. I mean, I, I think Ingram's status was a little bit more up in the air just because of the severity 
of the blood clot issue but great to see him back uh, i think the entire pelicans roster even the the non-guaranteed guys are all working out already in advance of training camp so brandon ingram a full go lonzo ball has been a full go for a while right um the, again this is what we expected you know when we're, when we're looking at projections and whatnot but it does worry me a little bit that neither of these guys really got much of a summer to improve you know this is kind of the second straight year for for ball where um you know coming off of the injuries last year coming off the injuries this year he's been limited to a lot of strength training you know he said he bulked up his upper body a little bit more but you, you wonder how much has he been able to work on shooting things like that um and ingram you know he's been sidelined for five or six months really um you know for the most part of that time with the with the vein issue so you know not not major setbacks you know, i right. think the bigger thing is that they're ready for camp but maybe not the the full summer to prepare that you see with most of the league yeah i mean you know ball needs that time especially to work on his shooting um you know i mean he's bulking up will help him a lot defensively especially if you know i mean because he's six six so if he bulks up then he can guard small forwards power forwards i mean if he if he really you know sizes up um then he'll be someone that could be on the court for like 35 minutes a game playing multiple positions um but it's also hard to do if he can't shoot yeah uh, i mean in theory he could guard some power forwards maybe i don't that, think, yeah, I don't like think you're gonna ball. stick him on there but i mean that's one of the things that even though he's been such a shaky shooter and he's been a historically low free throw rate guy you know concerningly low yeah, to the right. point where like nobody gets to the free throw line that little um and then when he gets there he doesn't convert um the, the silver lining, I guess, is that he's a significantly better defender than we thought he would be. You know, he, he bulked right. up even from his freshman year at UCLA to his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And it was clear right away he was going to be, you know, really active on that end. And it was it was kind of on and off at the college level. But he's been a very, very good defender when healthy. The thing is, every when it, when it comes to Lonzo Ball, both seasons in L.A. was... You know, he would put together a really nice six or seven game stretch and then he would get hurt and then he'd come back and it would take him a little bit to get acclimated. He'd start to look really good again. And then he'd get hurt. I, I, I think if we can if he can just play 65 to 70 games or at least play, you know, 40 games at a time. Right. Uh, that's where we're going to see the growth. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about this Pelicans team, it's the the way they're set up is very strange. Like they could be a high tempo defensive team that can't shoot which I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't really think of another team that, like, fits that profile. Because, um, no. like, Ingram's not much of a shooter, Zion, but, like, you... If well, usually you, when you think of these up-tempo teams, it's Golden State, Houston, you know, you're kicking it right. for threes in the corner, you know, which, you know, obviously New Orleans going to try to do that, but, you know, you pointed this out, I think, on the last podcast, where the, the projected lineup on paper looks good. There's a lot of really intriguing, fun names, but Derek Favors, you know, really just started shooting threes last year or the year before, Zion, I, I'm not expecting to be a three-point threat really at all no. this year. Ingram, up and down in that regard. Holiday, historically good, but last year was uh, I think he was under 34. percent He's maybe like even. a slightly above average. He's not like yeah. knocked down. The best three-point shooter on the roster by far is JJ Redick, and it sounds as though he's going to come off the bench. He said on I think it was was he on the low post yeah. this past week that he, you know, he had discussed it with with Alvin Gentry, and he doesn't mind if he if he starts or comes off the bench, which to me means he's probably coming off the bench. Right. Um yeah i their their team construction really interesting i'm not like i'm not entirely i mean that they're a hard team to predict whether or not they'll make the playoffs um what would you say yes or no i would say no just because of the west is so yeah. deep but i think if they were in the east oh for sure like i i think you know they could be the five seed i don't know i well, that, <laughs> well, let's, the, let's uh let's play this out so milwaukee philly i, I think are demonstrably better yeah, yeah. than new orleans but 
I think there's a there's a case to be made that they could finish as high as third or fourth. I would still take Boston over them. Indiana is kind of where it. Indiana. Indiana and uh, New Jersey. Brooklyn, I know. New Orleans is significantly deeper than both of those teams, I think. It's just there's a lack like of continuity. You know, like most yeah. of these guys have just never played together at all. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun collection of talent, but I think maybe we're underrating the amount of adjustments that'll have to be made when you're basically building a roster from scratch via trades and free agency. Right. I don't know. And I, that's true, but also the way they're, I, they have so many options to throw at another team. Like they can go big and it can be like devastating, but they could also go small and it makes sense. Like you can play Zion at the five, you could roll like, you know, ball Redick, you know, holiday out there. Um, they're just like a really interesting team from a matchup standpoint. Like you'd think any team that they go against, they can find little ways to get advantages that will ke- right. I think can keep them like in most games. I think they'll be competitive mm-hmm. like almost every single night just because of that. No, that is true. Having the versatility at the center spot, especially like having that that Swiss Army knife of Zion, who you can yep. just throw and be, and be that guy at any point, and then. I mean, even someone like Jackson Hayes, who I don't think we're expecting too much out of as a rookie, but, you know, fits the the archetype of that Clint Capella rim runner yep. type, which, you know, as a, as a 19-year-old rookie, again, probably not going to be doing too much work, especially with the presence of favors on this roster. And, and even Okafor wouldn't surprise me. You know, I, I, right. I think he's showed enough over these last couple of years that he might even jump Hayes you know, on the depth chart. But like you said, yeah, they can they, they have the ability to, to make teams adjust to them. I guess where there there are certain teams, I mean, Houston is one that comes to mind where they kind of have to play one style, you know, and especially swapping out uh, Paul for Westbrook, you know, even if you're going to stagger Westbrook and Harden, it's going to look pretty similar when those two guys are out there. Right. Uh, they don't have the the depth at center necessarily, the depth on the wing that, that New Orleans has. So, um, and as we've said too, I mean, this isn't going to be the final product for the next five years. You know, they have all these picks that they can continue to make tweaks. Um, you know, most teams when you bring in, the number one overall pick if you win 25 games the next year that's great right uh so it, it's kind of a, a unique experience um for zion and and you know just because it's, it's you just don't see many number one picks come onto a roster like this but in a lot of ways they have expectations but at the same time they don't like it's not going to be considered a catastrophic failure if this roster wins 37 games and they miss the playoffs by four or five games right i agree do you they so they open up the season against toronto um mm-hmm. toronto's at home I was looking at the line for this game because we have nothing else to do. Sure. Uh, it is Toronto favored by five and a half. What do you think? Do you think that, like, would you take the Pelicans there? I, you know I'm <laughs> low on Toronto. So I <laughs> I think, yeah, if, if it was in New Orleans, I would take the Pelicans. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be ring ceremony it night, is, yeah. all that. Maybe that works against teams. I'd, I'd be interested to see the record of of defending champions especially ones that lose the finals mvp uh, how they do <laughs> like, at and, danny green, and danny green um and the ones that add stanley johnson i think that's a factor <laughs> not a lot of people are talking about <clears throat> i don't know i mean it's it's kind of too early to start looking at that but i mean you if you go you know I, one way i like to look at this is if you combine the rosters you put all 30 players into a pool and you have a draft like how many of the top 10 picks would be pelicans seven a lot of i mean drew holiday would go first i think siakam or holiday siakam probably siakam yeah and then i mean then you might take six pelicans in a row before gasol or ibaka lowry's kind of in there yeah lowry wouldn't even go in my top 30 (laughs) no but i i'm I'm thinking i'm building in a little bit more of a regression for lowry and gasol especially 
Yeah, that's um, true. You know, Gasol just played, you know, played FIBA all summer. He's old. He, they, he's, him and Lowry accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. They know they're not getting there again. You know, I've, I've been through this before. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't know how to evaluate them in just a single game, but I, I think Toronto will take a bigger step back. Right. Uh, the other news, uh, a little bit more minor, Isaiah Thomas out six to eight weeks. Um, he's undergoing thumb surgery. I, he said he suffered the injury in a workout playing defense. So I'm assuming this is one of those, you know, once so or twice a year, you get like the thumb caught in a jersey yeah. type of situation. Um, but he probably won't be ready now. It doesn't look like for the start of the season. Right away, Washington comes out and they're like, yeah, we're not adding anybody. We don't need any help. <laughs> I think they, they brought Chris Chioza in yeah, on, like a, on like a camp deal. Yes. Um, I, don't, I feel so bad for Bradley Beal. I... <laughs> I I don't know. He's is he is he going to be okay? Like our I just, Bradley Beal? Yeah. I don't know mentally. I don't be, know. This is demoralizing. Yeah. You you pointed out this is an ideal situation for a Mario Chalmers, maybe a Norris Cole, <laughs> right. maybe yes. a Jose Calderon kind of slides in and all of a sudden he's playing and starting like half the games. Um but yeah, it just means more of Ish Smith, I guess to begin. Yeah, I was already like I was already pretty convinced Ish Smith was going to play 30 minutes a game and like be the starter. I think some people have pushed back on that idea. Maybe it's more of an open competition at point guard between Isaiah Thomas and and Ish Smith. But now it's just looking like Smith's got the job. They don't really. I mean, they don't really have a backup point guard um, at all. I mean, <laughs> unless you count like I, I don't Justin Robinson, um, Isaac Bonga, Jorgen McRae. These are the I, people I that we have listed. People. We yeah. It's going to be Beal, I think. Yeah, I mean that's. So maybe this means that like Jorgen McRae plays more minutes actually is what the, you know, because Beal slots over to back up point guard and then they opens up more I, minutes at shooting guard. Um, I don't know, man. I, but I don't even know what you'd like do with this news from like a fantasy standpoint. Cause this, this news doesn't even really matter that much. No. Like in, I, I think it's, it's not great news for the small percentage of people who, uh, you know, think maybe this is finally the spot that Isaiah can kind of even become 70% of who he was in right. Boston. I, I mean, I'm totally out on that at this point, but there isn't a better spot in the league for someone trying to get minutes as a backup point guard, right? I mean, oh, for sure. It, it, once he's healthy, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you give him a chance in a super deep league, but I, I, I just think this sets him back even further than he already was. Right. Um, okay. So we have some articles up on the site, you know, as, as uh draft season approaches, sleepers bus uh rookies breakdown um i think we have breakout players coming tomorrow mm-hmm. um i have something i'm going to put up right after we finish this you wrote um on 10 players who are priced generally under ten dollars in auctions to take a look at yeah um so we'll use some of these as a guide to just talk about a few players uh we'll try to keep this this podcast relatively short but we can start with some sleepers sadaransky does he qualify i think he does I, I think he qualifies um, just because I think I'm not sure like the general the general public like understands that Thomas Aransky's an actual like productive good NBA player um, like he might slip in a lot of uh, in a lot of drafts but it seems like he's going to start at point guard for the Bulls. Um, Chris Dunn is seemingly out like the amount of the amount of public um, like comments management has made regarding like how much they just want done off this team is like really concerning uh, and yet he's still on the team and yeah he's still on the team so they're it seems like, like they're gonna try to trade him. him you know something like somebody 
somebody would be willing to throw a second round pick for him. You, I, think? you know, maybe the Washington Wizards would be interested <laughs> in a Chris Dunn. Actually, it would be. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, we're just kind of unsure whether or not Kobe White is ready to like take over the reins at point guard. But the thing is, even if he is, like, even in a scenario where Kobe White's like ready, Sagaransky can play shooting guard and small forward. He has historically yep. he's six foot six or six foot seven. Um, and you know, the, the bulls are pretty thin for backups at, on yep. the wing. So I think like there, there's like a, the worst case scenario for Sagaransky's like, it seems like 28, 29 minutes a game still. Well, and the other thing too, is they signed him to a three year deal. This wasn't a, they like what, him, right. This yeah. wasn't a one year, 8 million. We're just going to use you as a bridge to get to Kobe white next year. Like I, I don't think you you sign a guy to a three year deal if you don't view him as a part of the future. And I, I don't think it was an indictment on Kobe White necessarily. I mean, they made this signing before Kobe White had even played summer league. And granted, he didn't look great in summer league. But I think the plan all along was to, you know, Kobe White ideally is the guy to to replace Chris Dunn and I guess now Sadransky. But I, yeah. I don't think they're going to rush that. And I, I I'm pretty high in Sadransky. I think. Yeah, I don't. Um, I know you are as well. I don't think Sadransky is going to like win you your league. You know what I mean? I think he is. <laughs> Sagaransky, the key <laughs> this season, the key of fantasy basketball. Hundred percent of season. winning winning rosters. Um, but he's like he's like the guy you could take with the last pick in every single draft and feel safe about. He's got like the high. He's got a super high floor as a player. He's like ten yeah. points, you know, eight or not eight, but like six rebounds, five assists, one steal. He's going to shoot close to fifty percent. He's going to hit threes, um, everything like that. So. Like he's he's not going to come out and stun anybody because he's a low usage guy. But <laughs> I'm picturing him doing like a stone cold stunner. I hope he doesn't do that. Yeah, right. Um, Ken Bazemore was on your list as well. I, you've been you've been on the Bazemore train I, for a while, and I, I'm with you. I think he fell into a really bad spot in Atlanta as they like he kind of got caught up in the rebuild. He was like one of the last remaining pieces from when they were actually trying. Yes, and it just you know i I don't think he gave up by any means but like his no. minutes started being slashed you know Torian prince comes in kevin herter comes in it was just never quite clear what the role was and i think in portland now it's pretty clear right and he was before he got hurt and they stopped playing him because that's basically what happened he got hurt and they stopped playing him because atlanta was bad and he was a veteran and maybe they were trying to trade him and it didn't happen uh he was about to you know be putting together his third top 75 season in four years like he was he was there um and i think he'll be used even more in portland because they just don't have any other wing options that you feel safe about like rodney hood and you know hazonia like they'll play because they have to mm-hmm. but i think they brought Baysmore in specifically um to try to be that guy to play 30 minutes and hold down that position especially defensively because mccollum and um, and Lillard aren't great defensively, so if they can have some stability on the wing from a shooting perspective, from a defensive perspective, I think Bazemore's that guy. Um, and he's someone, too, like, he he usually doesn't put up numbers that, like, he's he's never going to, you know, shock anybody with, like, his production, but he will he can get, like, two steals and a block in any given game, mm-hmm. can hit a few threes, assists are decent, Um I think with him, like it's that. about the steals, right? I mean, he's a, he's pretty reliant. That's kind of what's kept defensive. him this top 100 guy when the minutes are there. Right. His um, free throws can kind of go up and down. So Right. I and mean, he's been of, at least 1.2 steals per game each of the last four years, despite all the things we just mentioned, right. you know, the, the weird fluctuations in playing time. His shooting percentage has you know, varied pretty wildly over that stretch. I think what might scare people away, too, is if you're just looking at last year's numbers, 40% from the field, 32% from three. I would bank on those on that three point percentage, especially 
kind of turning back up. It was 39% two years ago. And then, you know, every year before that, basically 35 since he became a regular player. Yes. Yeah, yeah. His career is 35% yeah. from three. Um, and I mean, his free throw percentage 74 is kind of like not what you would hope for, but he, you know, he averages 0.7 blocks per game for his career as a wing. And you're just not getting that from a lot of other players outside mm-hmm. of like, you know, Otto Porter, or like Robert Covington or guys like that. Yep. Yep, I think on the site we have him just under 35%, which is a little conservative. I mean, in, sure. in a, a team where he feels comfortable about his role, you wouldn't be surprised if that was closer to 36, 37. Right. Uh, Torian Prince, speaking of, I, I've always been higher on Torian Prince, I think, than the collective NBA, or at least the Hawks. Um, I, don't, I don't really understand why they were so eager to get rid of him. Um, <laughs> you know, the, He was traded for in the Allen Crabb deal, right? Uh, yes. I believe so. Yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, Atlanta basically decided that he was not the future on the wing. And, and of course that came, you know, with the caveat that they brought in two fairly high upside rookie wings and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Um, but it, it felt like Torian Prince, at least numbers wise, you know, was, was more productive, uh, more quickly than I expected him to be, you know, in year two, 14 points a game four or almost five rebounds, two and a half assists over a steal a game, had one steal a game last year as well. Um, and he's been a 39% three-point shooter on pretty high volume each of the last two years. So it, it did feel like, especially given how Alan Crabb's last couple of years are going, you know, it kind of felt like a scrub for scrub type of trade. But I mean, I, I think Torian Prince could very easily end up being a, a fairly key piece for this rotation. Yeah, I mean, they don't, I mean, they don't really have reliable forward options. Um, I mean, Wilson Chandler got got busted for PEDs. Kuroks is kind of in hot water right now legally but even i mean even if he wasn't yeah um you know it's kind of between prince and and kuruks to hold down uh small forward and power forward laverts there but i feel like he could be used more he he's almost more of a guard i think think. he's a two three as opposed to a three four right um and prince i'm looking at his numbers right now for the games he saw over 30 minutes and it's basically 17 points four rebounds two and a half assists a steal and half a block Mm-hmm. almost three threes a game made um so he's a guy too where the nets are i mean they might struggle for scoring some nights yep. um, especially i mean you know and irving dinwiddie and lavert all of an injury history and i think there's gonna be a lot of nights where prince gets leaned on more than people expect him to i think he'll basically fill the damari carroll role and it's gonna take i think better. casual fans will just never realize that damari carroll left and they'll just think torian prince is damari carroll <laughs> but <clears throat> i mean last year for for carroll that was 67 games, eight starts, just over 25 minutes a game. Um, and, he, you know, he turned that into 11 points, five rebounds, uh, 1.63. So I think Prince could pretty easily replicate that and maybe give you closer to two threes a game, if not slightly over. Carroll was hurt a lot of the year, too, wasn't he? Yeah, 67 games is more than I expected. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's... Do you know where... Do you have a sense of kind of where he's going in these best balls? um prince no not off the top of my head i can try i can look Mm -hmm. up his adp really quick okay um in the meantime i'll apologize for my raspy voice i have a go ahead oh i said i have a a canker sore on my tonsil so (laughs) please send your sympathies that that would be great it's the second time that this summer that it's happened i don't know why anyway uh 142 is prince's adp so like a very legitimate last round pick yeah that's not as low as i expected that actually sounds about right yeah uh dario saric uh, i i'm off the dario saric train i know you are very much not off the dario saric train no. did not play well in minnesota um but as you noted strange season you know 
going from a really good situation to what quickly turned into a pretty bad situation. Uh, you know, once Covington went down, especially that that's that ship was kind of sinking. Um, I don't really trust anybody who ever plays for the Suns, but that's that's the knock. Yeah, but he's going to start. You know, assuming they go Rubio, Booker, Ubre, Aiton at center. Um, you know, Sarge is the clear, clear option you would think at the four. Unless they want to go Ubre there and McCall Bridges on the wing, that kind of does worry me. Cam Johnson also. Cam exists. Johnson, who they're very adamant is good and will play. Um, I, I really am not too worried about him. Honestly, I, I think he'll be a part of the rotation, but I don't think he's a true threat uh, to Sarge unless he kind of plays his way out of it. Uh, but please sell me on on Dario Sarge as a sleeper. Uh, Sarge has started 150 games uh, and is averaging 14 points, seven rebounds, two and a half assists in those games basically 30 minutes um like 37 percent from three 44 percent from the field he's just he's a he's a better passer i think than people realize um he's not he's not like amazing but he can get three assists a game i just think he's a good enough shooter rebounder passer like he'll he should just be on the court a lot of the time um as someone who can like fill in a lot of minutes at small forward at power forward even maybe small ball center um occasionally if they if they want to go that route um i just think he's he's just a really solid player you know his his upside really isn't that much on this team but he's he's kind of like that sagaransky like late round flyer where you're just like i'm i'm confident this guy will at least be on the court for close to 30 minutes a game and just be able to rack up some stats all right let's switch over to a few guys uh again you can read these articles on the site uh who we labeled as bus and and we should start with the caveat that busts in the nba are not like busts in fantasy baseball or fantasy football you know um with in the absence of injury star players usually don't just like lose their starting running back job or just completely fall off the map um you very rarely see that in the nba so i mean we look at busts more as like guys who are fairly significantly being overdrafted relative to where they should be drafted not guys who we think are just going to come out and have a terrible year so when we list Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in that article, we're not saying don't draft Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. <laughs> right. We're saying they're two of the 10 best players in the NBA. But some of the factors uh, that, that go into this mean that they're probably being taken a little too highly. Yeah. Um, and for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I mean, this is a really interesting situation for both of them. This is probably the best team either of them have ever been on. Oh, yeah. Um, they're... Kawhi Leonard's the best teammate Paul George has other ha- ever had, vice versa. Um, unless you count Tim Duncan for Kawhi Leonard, but I think that's a kind of a different situation because they also play each other's positions. Yeah, Kawhi and Paul George. Um, Kawhi obviously has the rest days. I think people like people kind of breeze past their the rest days. Like people understand that that's built in. Um, that he's probably only going to play sixty five or seventy games. But I feel like we're also glossing over the fact like why he's resting is that he has a degenerative <clears throat> quad injury like that so could just flare sure up at any that, time I, i'm with you I'm, that's kind of the in the industry it's just accepted that you know 65 games maybe 67 68 would it shock you if he played 72 it wouldn't shock me but i would not at all feel comfortable right like i would never project him for that yeah you know what i mean like if we're talking you know an over under for a projection of games right. you'd probably feel comfortable at like 68 67 yeah well i think the fact that for the second year in a row now and really this has been the case for his entire career going from the best organization in basketball to a really really good one in toronto that had a lot of continuity to now arguably the the most talented team overall in the west is they don't 
you know, it's not like a piston situation where Blake Griffin misses a game. It's almost an automatic loss. Right. You know, like Kawhi, they'll strategically do this. You know, you would think they'll try to miss as many games for him against the Suns and the Grizzlies and whatnot. And at the end of the day, it might not even hurt their bottom line. So that that's kind of where even if Kawhi wanted to play, you know, they could probably talk him out of it for load management purposes, especially with how well it worked last year. I think the fact that we kind of saw him breaking down in the playoffs um yeah he yeah he was more hurt in the like playoffs. he openly yeah. even after they won the title like minutes after he was like yeah my, my knee really hurts <laughs> <laughs> so no I'm, I'm with you on that but it, it does we haven't it's not like the clippers have come out and said yeah we're gonna do the same thing the raptors did you know in theory he should be more you know he should be in better shape now than he was at this time last year yes. being another year removed from the injury I, I don't know i'm not just ready to pencil him in for 65 games for the next 10 years no i agree um and i think the Paul George situation is also interesting. Um, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's ADP is like 13, which is, I mean, that's okay. You get him with the first pick, the second round. You're, you're not going to feel too bad about that. Paul George's ADP is like 9 or 10 right now, which is fine. Um, but like he, we still don't know if he's going to play the first. Like they're, like you mentioned before the podcast, there's a video out there of Paul George who looks like he's going like 100% in a you know in like a team run or like yeah. a workout you know he's had surgery on both of his shoulders which is not it's not ideal um so like you know he could, in general you would prefer that your star players don't have shoulder surgery right uh, so his shooting could be off you never know and um i i also don't necessarily so he could be out until like mid-november we have no idea um the like there's no consistency there. And then also, I don't expect Paul George to be playing 36, 37, 38 minutes a game like he has been recently. I would expect the Clippers to pull that back to like 32 to 34 minutes a game regularly. Yeah. And then his usage should be less than it was. Um, See, that's what and, I thought too. But then, you know, it's not like he was by himself in OKC. It's somewhat of a similar situation playing alongside high usage guy in Russell Westbrook. Kawhi, Kawhi is a high usage player, but I don't think you necessarily think of him as like the Westbrook Harden LeBron type of usage. Yeah, I guess doesn't Thunder, come off as like ball hoggy. Right. I just feel like the Thunder had like no one else besides those yeah. two. The the Clippers have like a very established team structure. They have Lou Williams, they have Harold who's going to do a lot of like yep. scoring. Landry Shamit's like a good three-point shooter. I just think the the amount of usage and minutes that Paul George got in Oklahoma City, I think he's never like never going to see right. that again. After the All-Star break, when he really struggled, when it was clear that the shoulder was affecting him, he played 38 and a half minutes a game. Yeah, it's that's never So, I mean, part of the reason that. he averaged as many as he did was because of that surge after the break. We're not going to see that again. Um, and the, the other thing, too, is in, in Paul George's statistical profile, last year was a pretty big outlier. He had never averaged more than 23.7 points per game. Right. Last year, he jumps up to 28. He leads the league in steals. I mean, he's always been great in that respect, but he's never led the league before. His rebounding year over year jumped up two and a half per game which for a forward is a ton yeah. um I, I think either way had even if he stayed in oklahoma city he probably would have been due for some regression i would just if if i was thinking about this year i would think about his stats this year more like the the three years prior to last year like the 2015 through 2018 stretch the last two years in indiana the first year in okc i think those numbers are more indicative of probably what he'll um he'll produce on the clippers and that's not a top that's like not a top 10 player so no. he, drafting him in the top 10, I just, I, I don't really get yeah, that on top of the injury concerns. Right. Mike Conley 
another very good player on this list another guy who i plan to target in a number of leagues but um i know you've done more kind of preseason best ball type of things um so what have you seen with conley that that makes you think he's being overdrafted um i i just kind of worry like it, right now his adp is like 35 um he's hit that mark a few times in his career like that's not a mark that is um like foreign to him i guess but this version of the jazz is going to be probably the best team he's ever played on um i think they're over under is like 54 wins he's only played on two other teams that have uh, eclipsed that mark but this team is the the jazz are supposed to be good be partially because they have a ton of playmaking options now like conley joins donovan mitchell and like joe ingles and even bogdanovich showed some playmaking ability last season i just don't think that Conley will have to take 16 shots a game like he did last year. I don't think he'll have to handle the ball as much as he did throughout other parts of his career. Um, I'm not saying he's going to like completely be a bust, but I, I think they're going to, I think they want Conley to be a part of the team for the long time. I just, he could see only like 30 minutes a game regularly, like 29, 30 minutes usage down. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me. He just mm-hmm. wouldn't be worth a 35th pick then. One of the other guys included in that article, this one I agree with. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised and I'm interested to hear what your experiences are in, in terms of where he's going and in, in the drafts that you've done already. Paul Millsap, red flags galore. I, I mean, I love, I love Paul Millsap as a player. I think he's one of those you know, rare veterans that maybe not for $20 million, but any team in the league wants Paul Millsap to play 25 minutes a game for them. Right. But we've said over and over, Denver's extremely deep. They brought in... A, a young power forward a guy who can space the floor a guy who played almost 33 minutes a game last year in OKC uh, that of course being Jeremy Grant and it, it's just kind of adding up for Paul Millsap who already played you know year over year going from Atlanta to Denver uh, from 2017 to 2018 he averaged four fewer minutes per game from two seasons ago to last year averaged three fewer minutes per game I, I feel like that trend's going to continue <laughs> yeah. and he's going to be closer to 24 25 minutes on the high end um and it wouldn't even be surprising if if he drops down maybe even a little bit lower right and yeah like you mentioned there's a, there's a ton of red flags here he's his adp on fan tracks right now is 101 which is insane to me that's way too high um he's 34 played 70 games last year um uh, which i would consider probably a ceiling for games played a uh, year before that he played 38 year before that 69 uh you mentioned jeremy grant it's just there are so many things working against Paul Millsap that I would I would just not honestly entertain drafting him at all in a, a twelve team standard league. I just the there are so many other players in that range that could end up being top seventy five players. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily rule him out entirely. Um, I think you know he's even last year he has shown that he can still be you know twelve seven two assists you know two combined steals and blocks right. the game so it's, it's not like his production has necessarily fallen off like per minute he was as good last year as he's been really in any year since his post prime but you know like you said the, the degradation physically you think would continue and i mean he's 34 now he turns 35 before the all-star break um i i think there's a chance he could be traded at some point and it would likely be into a less ideal situation you would think yeah. uh, maybe maybe yeah i don't think any team's going to trade for him and say we want to play we want to play you 35 a night you know i think at best it's probably um you know zero sum 
uh, situation for him. But I, I wouldn't even be surprised. You know, I think he'll he'll be the incumbent starter at power four, but I would not be shocked if at some point they just go with Jeremy Grant because he he gives them you know more versatility and just kind of. I don't know. He, he, Jeremy Grant just meshes with this core, I think, a lot better than than 34, 35 year old Paul Millsap. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I, I I'm in on you or with you, I guess, on that one. I think I would imagine his ADP will continue to gradually drop. fall. I mean, one of this is nearing like Marcus Morris territory. <laughs> right. um, we can talk a, few, a little bit about rookies. We got about ten minutes before we're getting booted from the studio. Uh, do you have any opinions on on Zion Williamson as far as what her his uh, early season value has been? Um, I mean, you're just not going to get him uh, unless you take him before the fourth round. Like he he his ADP right now is thirty, uh, and I think it's just going to stick there. How much of that would you say is the novelty factor of people just want to own Zion Williamson? Um, I. I don't even I don't even know if it's like a name recognition like you know the people have been following him on Instagram forever like I don't I don't think it's a, even about that honestly I just think like a lot of people think he's going to be that good um and it, I maybe he could be I just <clears throat> he I also could not be he also can <laughs> yes this is this is what we do as a as analysts we're yep. like well he could be this good or he might not um, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of concerned about like, is he going to take enough shots on this team? Like we talked, we talked about how deep know, the Pelicans are and how they're going to try to be competitive. And if Zion is just like, is having like a bad month or something, like how much is he going to play? Well, it's just kind of push and pull between there. There's an argument that being on a better team with better teammates and a good coach and a, <laughs> a great, you know, veteran leader and Redick and holiday and all this talent around him should he should kind of rise with that you know maybe he you know he's not taking bad shots because he's you know he has has the ball in his hands with five seconds left on the shot clock you know like so there is an argument that that should help him but i feel like i would be more comfortable taking him if he was on your traditional number one overall pick team and you knew they were going to win 18 games but you knew he was going to take 16 shots a night so i i think there is some risk there especially with the type of player that he is like he's not the type of guy who's going to demand to be force-fed you know i don't think he's going to sulk if he only takes six shots in a given night so you know i I think that's good from a real basketball perspective but for fantasy purposes i think you'd almost prefer that he's more julius randall yeah right um his yeah his upside is just like field goal percentage and defense is so high though yeah right it's hard to ignore yeah i mean you might be getting a guy who's spending a decent amount of time at small forward and like shooting close to 60 percent from the field yeah that's probably on the high end i mean he was at like what 68 percent at duke i mean like historic levels of efficiency but yeah free throw percentage could end up being really bad yep. i don't i don't think he's going to be a three-point contributor well uh, he'll probably I, go with the free throw line a lot yeah that's the thing yeah. and it's you know it's good and bad I mean, it's like I, in, in general that helps his scoring but it probably hurts you more in, in free throw percentage um I, I don't have a ton to say about morant uh it's kind of a wait and see with him yeah you know it, we you don't have the same type of concerns that you do with Williamson in terms of how does he fit with this roster. Like it's very clear. He's the point guard. Memphis is not expecting to win. They have a rookie head coach. You know, everything is trending towards this being the pretty traditional high, you know, high draft pick type of season where he just gets to play through his mistakes, which generally is good for fantasy. Um, But, you know, Moran coming from a small school, really playing on the big stage only two or three times in college. I did really well. He did. Right. He did. Um, I have some concerns, I guess. My my biggest concerns are about him physically. You know, I, I think right. 
in a small conference, it's a little bit easier to get away with, with the lack of physicality, the lack of strength. Um, he's not somebody you worry about, like with Lonzo Ball, where he's not going to attack the rim. You know, if anything, I think, you know, maybe he's going to be an inefficient guy who attacks the rim a ton. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's just a small, he's a small guy. And I, I think injuries, you know, are one argument uh, or one component, I guess, of that. But, just kind of being pushed around um, over the course of 82 games, you know, makes me wonder how he's going to hold up. I think I think his draft stock will will be relatively high because he's in a he like you mentioned, he's in a great position. Like he's in probably the best position of any rookie to just take control of a team. Yeah, I would have said Barrett until free agency, but yeah, right. I think Morant is in the best spot. Um, I, I mean, that's all I have on Morant. Yeah, wait and see with him. Uh, Barrett, kind of the same way. I mean. I, summer league went about as i expected if you watched him at duke that was who rj barrett is he has no conscience which in general i think is good yeah i think you <laughs> you want your player you want a guy you take number three overall to believe he's a superstar and believe he should yeah. take every shot um but he i mean he could start every game over 10 and he would take 10 more shots without hesitation which in the long run is good in the short run could really lead to some damaging percentages yes um i'm still pretty high on him overall as a categories guy like i think he could sure. He could be, you know, six assists, six rebounds. You know, I think his defensive numbers should probably be better. They were, they were terrible in college. He's a physical defender. The effort is usually there, but he barely got blocks or steals, which for a guy who's as big and long and athletic as he is was a little bit disappointing. But I, I think long term, he has kind of like James Hardeny defensive potential where sure. y- you don't want him guarding the best guy. He's not going to be a plus in terms of what the advanced metrics say, but he could just somehow end up averaging like one and a half steals just because he's out there a ton and he's active yeah, he's just talented yeah um and yeah i mean he's a i mean he's he's one of those guys that you should like be really interested in for a dynasty league i think this year is going to be kind of like not ideal especially if you're in a league that counts like field goal and free throw percentage and like you mentioned the Knicks free agency was not encouraging like for barrett mm-hmm. um getting julius randall who's a high usage guy they they have Dennis Smith Jr. and Peyton who are like actual point guards who are going to want the ball that aren't that good with three-point shooters so I don't really know how the usage on the team is going to pan out and so like I'd feel more confident about Barrett in like a dynasty league or like a points yep. league for this season um for sure but yeah yeah I was I was kind of team right after the draft like team Barrett over Morant for fantasy purposes but I've I've kind of flopped on that just because they added so much unneeded ridiculous horrible depth that <laughs> You know, I mean, Barrett was somebody that could have played significant minutes at three spots, and yes. he still could. But I, I just think the potential for, for I guess, you know, lack of a better term, significant minutes at each of those spots is now diminished because they added veteran X. You know, at at each <laughs> spot, it's just players. it was so puzzling. Um, Darius Garland, I, I, for me, another firmly wait and see, probably even more than Morant because we have such a small sample for him in college. Uh, but we could talk about Hachimura and Clark before we head out. Um, sure. Hachimura, I think you and I are both pretty high on. How how has his market been in these early drafts? Um, the, <laughs> of course the well, I can't see right now. The website's not working. Um, but I feel like people people are understanding that like Hachi, the the Wizards are terrible. Mm-hmm. They have zero depth. Hachimura yes. um, is is just going to get a ton of minutes the wizards reach for him so you know they believe in him um or at least that's like what they, they want everyone else to believe so i i think he's i don't know if i believe in his talent like 100 percent right now like he seems like still very raw player yep but he's someone that 
it's worth taking a flyer on probably in like the last round of a draft, which a lot of these guys are. Yeah, I, I I think you said it really well. Like he had some good moments in summer league, had some moments in FIBA, but I, I think <clears throat> he's probably a little too raw to to rely on. Like no, I wouldn't say he's a guy that I'm setting out to draft, no, but no. in terms of situations, I mean he might be second behind Moran. Yeah. I mean, I, how many rookies who we're talking about as being really raw are going to walk right into a potential starting spot or at the very least a very prominent backup role? Yeah, I mean, maybe Garland. Um, but yeah. I don't I, know. But I think people consider Garland to be a little more ready than Hachimura, oh, sure. honestly. Yeah. Even despite the, the, you know, with the inexperience. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a comparison for him. Like, has there been another player? I mean, even like Kevin Knox kind of last year. Knox is a pretty good Yeah, example. I mean, they're not the same player by any means, but just being able to, you know, like Kevin Knox was what, arguably the worst player in the NBA last year who played more than like 200 minutes. 45 minutes a game at some points throughout the season. Yeah, right. And and it was because they had no other options and, you know, they kind of understood where they were as a team. For whatever reason, they didn't do that with Mitchell Robinson, just with Kevin Knox. <laughs> um, but we could see that going this way too, where like Hachimura could have really rough stretches where he doesn't rebound well or his percentages aren't good but it's like what are you going to do you're not going to you're not going to pull him and throw admiral schofield out there for, <laughs> for 35 minutes so um i think he has a really high floor just because the workload is going to be it's going to be there no matter what right brandon clark not in quite as good of a position as hachimura um just because memphis has kyle anderson coming back from injury they added jay crowder over the summer they brought in Josh Jackson. They are kind of holding Andre Iguodala hostage for the time being. I think Iguodala will be out of the picture uh, by the time the season rolls around. But still, those other three guys are are prominent-ish players who at least two of the three, Anderson and Crowder, will expect to play. Jackson, I think, should expect to play as a third-year guy who was drafted in the top five, although you know, his value has, has obviously been diminished quite a bit. Um, I think those three guys, their primary spot is at the three. Clark is probably more of a four. He could play some small ball five, but he could also play. I mean, he's more sized like a three. Sure. Um, so I think we expect him to play both forward spots. The question is whether he can supplant Crowder or Anderson. And, you know, I, I think I feel pretty good about him playing over Jackson, you know, at least yeah. once we get into the meat of the season. Um, but if he can supplant Anderson and or Crowder and just kind of become like the second you know forward off the bench or even the first forward off the bench he could do enough defensively to to stick around and, and kind of be a waiver guy in in standard leagues yeah i agree i mean i think i think they'll want to trade crowder like as as soon as they can as soon as they can get any sort of value for jay crowder i think they'll try yeah. to move off of him and you know kyle anderson's kind of an interesting player i don't they probably want to keep him just for like extra ball handling because otherwise morant and Tyus jones are like their only players who can like you know reliably handle the basketball um you know unless you count like d'anthony melton i do not okay um so i i think there's a good chance that like you could i don't want to say i mean maybe draft and stash brandon clark if your league is deep enough if you have enough bench spots yeah like draft him and hang on to him yeah and maybe you know post all-star break or trade deadline or around that time like you'll start getting more minutes Mm -hmm. because he could he could play a six-man role right i i think if you know we talked about baysmore torian prince like if if you're choosing between those guys and clark i i think i would personally i would lean towards the veterans but it wouldn't be like insane to take clark in that in that range no it wouldn't especially since like if anything happens to valanchunas or or jaron jackson then clark is just gonna yeah when i think he's someone too that like you said with crowder possibly getting traded like i I think clark's value is going to be on a steady ascent throughout the year you know i think memphis like every bad team you know tries to 
play it straight for 20, 25 games and <laughs> yes. see how it goes. And, you know, what if we catch lightning in a bottle? You kind of have to play it out that way. But, you know, once you get past January 1st and they're sitting in 14th in the West, you know, I, I think that's when you might see the Crowder trade. That's when you might see veterans, you know, with a, a sore knee, miss 20 games and all of a sudden Clark's playing 30 minutes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe not a guy to, to go out and make sure you get, but somebody that if you have an extra spot on your bench, you know, yeah. worth stashing for a few weeks before he really breaks out. Um, anything else? I think that's all I have. There's, we're about to set a record for our shortest podcast ever. <laughs> no, that's it. I think we're under 45 minutes. All right, we'll call it there. Uh, hope everyone has a good weekend. We have Wisconsin, Michigan this weekend in Sh- Madison. Did you hear the Shannon bet with Chris no. Owen? Oh, if uh, I think Shannon took Michigan. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it's straight up or the spread, but... Uh, He's just taking them. <laughs> Uh, if if Wisconsin wins at basketball this Monday, we have Rotowire basketball. Yep. Uh, Shannon will be doing two suicides, like up and down the court. No way. That's the loss. Yeah, consecutively. I think that's the plan. Oh goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned. We'll we'll have an update on that next week. up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer ba-da-ba-ba-ba